Hello, hello, and welcome to In My Shoes. It is a podcast for women of color where we talk about the issues we face each and every day. And it's me, y'all, your host, Karen Davis Thompson. So glad to be back with you. It's been a few weeks. Uh, If you saw my post a couple of weeks ago about grace, that's what I have been giving myself as I am still recovering from surgery about five weeks out. Um, Went back to work last week, and so getting back into the groove of that took a little getting used to, but I'm here, y'all. I am here. And so this is a solo episode. Just want to catch you up on what's been going on with me, uh, what I've learned from this surgery and from the process that I am going through now, and what I hope I can share with other women, and to celebrate our podcast anniversary. Is there such a thing? (laughs) This is when we officially started two years ago. If you recall, a couple of years back, we did a few episodes in February just to introduce you guys to me and to what I was all about. But we officially started in March for Women's History Month. So I cannot believe it's been two years. Um, And I'm grateful for all of you who've been listening. So let's get to it. Um, As you know, I had to have, I guess, it's a hysterectomy, but I had already had a partial. So we completed the process, I guess is the best way to describe it. As I've said before, I've had fibroids uh, for years or had them for years until I had um, a partial done in my very late 20s. I was about 29 when I had that done. And let me just say that even to um, have the partial hysterectomy was drama. So before that, I had the fibroids removed. I had about five or six removed and it was it was real. I had to have medication before the surgery to reduce the size and all of that. And so I had them removed and about five or six months later, we did a check and sure enough, they were returning. And so I was like, bruh, can't we just <laughs> like, I don't want to have to keep going through this. So what wh- what's the next step? And for me to have that partial hysterectomy, I had to have my husband come in and give his permission as well. Uh, because I guess me uh, removing the uterus meant as long as we were going to be married, <laughs> he would not have the chance at biological children Um I guess was the thinking unless I was going to have some egg retrieval. I don't know. But for whatever reason, he had to sign off too. So again, having to fight for what was best for me um, has been something that I've been experiencing for a very long time Um, and didn't understand that endometriosis is a different issue from fibroids and quickly discovered that there was still something going on. Um, And it took me on this nearly 20 year journey before I finally uh, got the okay um, to uh, have a complete hysterectomy. Uh, And just the research that I've done as I've become more vocal, I think like a lot of us, we just take whatever our healthcare providers, our doctors tell us as uh, what we should do. And we don't often ask more questions. And I know I was definitely guilty of that. And so I suffered and I mean suffered (laughs) for years with cysts. Uh, back pain, pelvic pain, you name it, I had it. Um, And they would go in, remove the cysts, um, but not the ovaries. As I got older, I had less tolerance for the anesthesia. So then it made me nauseous. And uh, then one of the incisions got infected. It's been a hot, wretched mess, y'all, a hot mess. Um, And I wish that I had been more vocal about what I thought was right for me. Um, And that varies from woman to woman. Uh, Some people want to preserve the reproductive organs, they want to be able to have children. That wasn't really an issue for me. Um, I was totally fine adopting. Then it was, oh, the hormone production is just so important that it overrides everything. 
Um, and so, you know, I went with that for a while, but after my third or fourth procedure to have cysts removed that were getting larger each time, this last one was more than 10 centimeters, um, which is huge, is huge. Um, you know, it was like, how many times am I going to have to hear that before somebody realizes that we need to be doing something else? Uh, and finally I was able to be heard and, um, have the procedure that was right for me. Uh, and just the things that I've learned as women have become more vocal about talking about this over the last few years. Um, I've mentioned this documentary several times and I encourage you to listen to it. It's called Egg, Eggs Over Easy. And it is narrated narrated by Keisha Knight Pullman. And she talks about um, her own struggles as well as looks at what women of color um, have been going through. Whether you are on one side of the coin where you don't want to have children and you're judged for that, or whether you're on the other side of the coin where you're having trouble getting pregnant and you're judged for that. And the questions that people ask, which I think I've talked about that before, they feel emboldened to ask you, you know, y'all been married five years and no kids? Or, you know, in my case, you, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to get pregnant. What it was like I was, you know, some alien life form because of the choices that I was making. And um, it just really empowered me to understand how important it is for us to take our reproductive health into our own hands. And early, one of the things I learned from the documentary and from watching my own younger sister's journey uh, before she adopted my niece, Charlie, who will be one this month. So I got a lot to celebrate in March. Um, I learned that a woman. Now, listen carefully to what I'm about to say. A woman is born with all of the eggs she's ever going to have in her life. She's born with them. Um, and I wrote about this in my blog. That was mind-blowing to me. I mean, I, I I assumed when they explained a cycle to me, right, it was you have this unfertilized egg. And so as a result, you have your cycle to get rid of the egg, right? At no time did anybody say all of the eggs that you're ever going to have, you were born with them. I mean, that that. I didn't even know how to process that. Now, men, they reproduce more sperm, like I believe it's every 90 days or something like that. But whatever eggs a woman has are the ones that she has. And that is that. Um, and I think that that's important information for young women to know because people are delaying having children until they're older. And so if you knew at 22 or 23 that when you got ready, your 35-year-old self or your 38-year-old self or your 40-year-old self who's now ready to try to get pregnant had all the eggs that she's ever going to have when she was born, you may have made some different decisions. Not necessarily to get pregnant earlier, but you may have decided to freeze your eggs. Um, you know, you may have decided that maybe you did want to have kids earlier if you didn't want to do that. Or you, it would just be good to have the information, whatever choice you're made is made. But I feel like on some level, a lot of that is taken away from us when we're not given that information. Um, the other thing that really struck me is women of color, black women specifically, are more likely than any other race of people to deal with fibroids and endometriosis. Like it affects us at a much higher rate than any other group of women. Yet there are no tests that are being done or studies. Nobody's rushing out to really start looking into the problem. Um, and I think we all know why that is. Um, and I find that also troubling. So if we don't share the information with each other, then we're just gonna be in the dark about our bodies and about 
our reproductive health and what it may mean for our future selves and what we may want. You know, sometimes at 22, the last thing you're thinking about is maybe having a baby. You're just getting out of college. You're just starting your career. Um, And that may be something that you want to do later. And then the choices that you need to make uh, are a lot less. You know, you have you have fewer options. First of all, people of color do not donate sperm or eggs at the same level as non people of color. And so, you know, I I told you before I had a girlfriend who uh, was thinking of, of that she would perhaps use a sperm donor and when she asked about black men or men of color, the doctor was like, oh, I never thought about that, you know, but if that's a concern or something that you would, you, you want your child to be of the same race that you are, it limits you. And we don't even know that one woman said she's donated um, some of her eggs and family members thought she was out of her mind uh, because it isn't things that we talk about culturally, but we need to discuss them because um, it affects us as we get older. And what was so sad to me is the number of women who felt like failures because they weren't able to get pregnant. Um, And it's so sad because, you know, think about it. We we already start with one hand tied behind our back almost. You were born with all you were going to have, whether it was little or much, that's it, right? There's no chance that you're going to produce more eggs than that. That's all you got. So you're already at a disadvantage and then, you know, you feel like now you've waited unbeknownst to you that you wouldn't have. You know, I think most people are like me. Every month you produce an egg. If you, if the egg isn't fertilized by sperm, then you have a cycle. You have a period. Right. That's that's the way it was explained. So already you're at a disadvantage. You're a black woman. You have only so many eggs. And what you had at 25 is definitely not what you have now at 35 or 38 or 40. Um, And so I just want more women to really take stock, make sure you explain this um, to your younger, you know, women in your circle. I know my sister was really adamant about letting my niece know, hey, this is something you may want to take a look at Um, and also to be more proactive. So I'll give you another example. I had the surgery and I was supposed to go first thing in the morning. And as it turned out, they moved my surgery until much later in the day. So I had questions. Um, Okay, I'm supposed to drink this Gatorade. Do I wait and drink that like an hour before I come in? Or do I still drink it in the morning or not at all? So does this mean I still can't eat at all? Like I had questions and the young lady that they had called me, oh, are you probably, no sis, probably is not gonna cut it. I need to talk to somebody who can explain to me, hey, are all of the orders that you were, that I was given the same, even though this surgery is now, I don't mean they moved it from like seven to nine. I mean, I was supposed to be there at like five in the morning for a seven o'clock surgery. And I kid you not, they changed my surgery time to like, I think it was five, six o'clock at night. Like I didn't even know unless it was an emergency that you had surgery that late in the day. So that's a long window. So I needed somebody to answer some questions for me. Um, and I could have just taken her probably and winged it. But I needed somebody who could explain better what I needed to do. And then we get in there and we have the surgery. And um, I come out of recovery, uh, into recovery, and I was dreading it because I know when I come out of anesthesia, I just feel awful. 
Um, not only am I in pain, but my head is swimming and all of that. And so what they want you to do before they'll let you go home is go to the bathroom. Well, it's like I'm laying there. Hey, you want to get up and try? So they have me go over and y'all literally I could have passed out. I'm sitting there and I'm like, I, I can't. Can I just please lay down? Like, I don't I don't have to go to the bathroom. Like, please. So obviously everybody must have realized, yeah, this girl is not going to make it back to this this hospital bed so they bring a recliner over for me to lie down and I lie down for a little bit I'm in and out of consciousness and then later on it's hi you want to try so I'm like oh my god please help me lord to go so these people will leave me alone well I didn't find out until later and I heard a conversation and thank god I was able to pick up on that I hear them talking about my meds now I may be fuzzy but I ain't crazy before surgery my doctor came to see me and she said, okay, we can either send the meds to a 24 hour pharmacy for you guys to pick up on your way home, or we work with a local pharmacy that's right by the hospital. We can have them fill there and then bring them over. I said, oh yeah, let's do that. So I hear them talking to my husband about a pharmacy and whatever. So I'm, I'm half out of it, but I'm like, wait, no medicine supposed to be here already, you know? So they screwed that up. Apparently they put it in to be, uh, to go to my, my, the job I have wants you to use a mail in or mail order service for meds, right? Come on, think about what I just said. Mail order. I'm supposed to take these meds home today to take in the morning. So instead of sending it to the pharmacy, I guess they send it to the company. My job requires you to use when you're um, going to have like maintenance drugs done, right? They recognize that there are times when you need to get them you know, the same day. But if it's a maintenance drug, they want you to get it through the mail. So that's where they send it. Now they realize I have no meds. So now it's, oh, well, we're going to have to send them to a 24-hour pharmacy. So my poor husband's like, you can't give me like a couple to make it through the day so I can get her home. Oh, no, we can't do that. So time goes on, y'all. They discharged your girl at like 1.30 in the morning. Where they do that at? 1.30 in the morning. Why didn't y'all admit me for the night? Clearly, I was struggling. Let me sleep it off. Make sure I can go to the bathroom. Get my meds that y'all messed up. And then send me home. And my poor husband, bless his heart. He's trying to deal with it. My mama, because they only let you have one person um, there because of COVID. And so he's trying to deal with it. And my mama is trying to call baby. So he feels bad because he feels like maybe he should have pushed it more. But again, these are the professionals and we feel like, well, this is what they do. You know what? Who am I? So they send us on our way at 1:30 in the morning and they give my husband a barf bag <laughs> in case I get car sick. So he has to deal with me. I'm half, you know, like, oh, my God, you know, go buy a, a 24 hour pharmacy, grab my meds and now get me in the house. It's like after two o'clock in the morning. Um, and when I, you know, like was coherent and found out all that happened, I thought, seriously, I don't, I, I don't know what has happened in terms of, uh, medicine and, and, and some of the things that we as women of color have to deal with or people of color. like, who, why would you send me home in these streets at one thirty in the morning <laughs> instead of saying, Hey, I think she needs to be admitted um, that means, you know, because the surgery, according to my husband, only took like a, a couple of hours. Right. So that means I was back there from like nine until one thirty a.m. trying to pee. <laughs> Why didn't you put me in a room and monitor me and let me kind of get myself together? Um, so it wasn't a great start. 
uh, to this whole thing, I have filled out their little survey and I'm going to send it to the hospital. I let the doctor's office know. So when I told the nurse, she was like, wait, what? I'm like, yes, yeah, sis, they sent me home 1.30 in the morning. Um, and I had filled out their uh, survey. I have it on the desk to mail um, because I want them to know this isn't how you should treat people. And I feel like um, it's important to find my voice and use it. And I think it's important for all of us to do that. Yes, they are the doctors and the nurses, but we have a right to understand what's being done. We have a right to speak up if we don't agree, if we want a second opinion, or if we don't feel that we were treated the way we should have been treated. Um, and I think that it's important for us to use that voice and say, hey, I, I need, you know, like when I ask questions and instead of you saying, hey, I'm not quite sure, let me have, you know, they just told me to call you to tell you they were changing the time. They really didn't give me any specifics. Let me get somebody who can help you with that. Don't guess, fam. Oh, um, yeah, you probably could just do, you know, um, you could just probably wait or um, just, you know, you could probably drink the Gatorade. Like I think she told me I could drink the Gatorade at the time I was supposed to drink it. No, ma'am. I was supposed to do it an hour before I came in so regardless of the time drink this Gatorade so then I was supposed to drink Gatorade at like 11 that night okay and then the next day drink it an hour before I got to surgery so like on my way there so my question was okay I get maybe the one an hour before it should be like an hour before the surgery but this 11 o'clock one that I was supposed to drink am I still drinking that at 11 or what oh probably no, no, boo. Can you can you call somebody? So some of the information she was guessing at was incorrect. And I had to, hey, I need somebody to call me. And then I waited, hadn't heard from anybody. Now it's after hours. So I called the after hours line. I know this may not be my doctor that's on call, but yo, I need somebody to call me back. I have to be to surgery tomorrow and I need somebody to explain. Am I following these same directions tonight for this surgery tomorrow? Um, and so I encourage you to really, really um, use that voice and don't be afraid to ask questions, to get a second opinion if you need to. I wish I had done that. I should have gotten a second opinion about having these doggone ovaries removed. I remember my primary care physician would ask me, so why do you still have your ovaries, hun? Because my doctor says the hormone production is more important. She'd be like, oh, okay. Then. <laughs> like I wish I had really said, you know what? There's no law that says I can go to only one GYN. I can go to another gynecologist and I can ask them and then, you know, be more informed. If they give me the same answer, okay. But at least I would have had an opportunity to kind of weigh some options as I got older and this thing was not getting any better. And it was like my doctor kept saying it was like she was waiting on me to go into menopause. Well, first of all, unless we do a blood test, I found that out. You're not going to be able to know where I am in the, in the entire process because I have no uterus, people. I had that removed in my 20s. So how do you know where I am in the process? The only way to know is a blood test. So we were messing around waiting to see when I might go into menopause. Meanwhile, every few years, I got a cyst that has to be removed and they're getting bigger. So I wish that I had done a little more research earlier, um, but I just took the doctor at what she said and I tried to roll with it, even though it was becoming increasingly more difficult coming out of the, the uh, anesthesia. Uh, the procedures were getting harder for me to deal with. Um, you know, in terms of my recovery and, um, it, it was just a more difficult process than it needed to be. Uh, but I'm doing better. Um, I will say this surgery in your forties ain't like surgeries in your surgery in your twenties. <laughs> so, um, I have to be patient with myself, um, 
And I encourage any woman who's going through it to be patient with how you feel emotionally, physically. I know for some women, having to have this surgery is emotional. It signals the end of something that no matter, you'll never be able, you know, as long as you have your reproductive organs, you can try something else if you, if you choose to, to try to have a child, if that's important to you. Once you make the decision to have a hysterectomy, partial or complete hysterectomy, you've lost that opportunity. And there's a grieving process for some women. And so if you need to grieve, honey, grieve. Um, for me, I didn't have that. For me, it's more I'm ready to get back into my regularly scheduled life. And my 40 some year old body is saying, no, boo boo, you're going to sit your butt down. <laughs> so like today I went up the stairs. Don't tell my husband. Um, I went up the stairs probably one too many times. And I could tell I was tired and winded, winded because I'm not to exercise until I'm my final doctor's appointment, which is in another week or so. And because my body is just not quite ready for what my mind wants to do. My mind wants to get back into life. My body ain't ready for that. And so I have to give myself grace and take my time. I was going to record this episode last week, but honey, I was not feeling it. It was my first week back working and a sister was tired. The first three days, I think I went to sleep by like 8, 830. And if you know me, honey, you know, I must have been sick or something because I am the proverbial night owl. So the fact that by 830, I was out, lights out. You know that I must have been tired. And so I gave myself grace and decided that those of you who love me will wait to hear what I got to say the next week. Um, And I am grateful for learning that lesson as well. Uh, So that's the update on me. Just a couple of other things I am excited about. As I said, this is our two year anniversary doing this podcast. I am so grateful to all of you who tune in week in and week out, who encourage me, who give me uh, story ideas, who pop into my inbox and let me know about amazing women that I can interview. And so I am grateful to all of you for that. Uh, We have a lot of wonderful episodes coming up. Um, I talked to the authors of the book, We Are Not Like Them. Um, If you're in my Color Confessions Facebook group, uh, we talked about that book there. It is the story of two friends, one white, one black. They've been best friends since they were children. And what happens to their friendship and to their views about race and each other when the white woman whose husband is a police officer shoots an unarmed black teenager and the black woman in the story is a reporter signed to assigned to um, cover the story. And it was a powerful book, a wonderful read, and the authors were great to speak with. Uh, So we have that coming up. I'm excited about that. I'm going to be talking with some members of my tribe to bring out some things. We're going to talk about what is microaggression. You hear that term. What does it mean? We're going to be talking about imposter syndrome. So I'm super, super excited to bring all of that to you. Happy to talk about some of the uh, nonprofit work that we're doing. Uh, We started back with our Gowns for Girls program. Uh, We just outfitted about 10 young ladies for prom, and we are still going to be doing that while we're in the height of prom season. Uh, We give dresses, accessories, shoes for girls who cannot afford it. We do have a little bit of funding for like nails, makeup, that sort of thing. And so we'll be pulling a few names at random and giving some of these young ladies a little more assistance with additional funds. So we're always looking for gowns to be donated if you're in the Tampa Bay, Florida area. And you want to donate if you're not and you want to mail it to me, 
Um, we are accepting all donations all the time because we do it every year. We had stopped because of COVID. And now that they're kind of back into the swing, we're back at it. We do it for homecoming and prom every year. And uh, you can DM me if you want more details about that. Uh, we're going to be having a back to school bash uh, where we're going to be outfitting some of our babies with uh, school supplies. We're hoping to have some of them that represent them. So um, if you go on our website, you can see uh, some of the spiral notebooks we've done that have um, representation on the front. Beautiful black girls because, you know, we're all about women and girls. Um, so we're hoping that, you know, we have great book bags that some of them will receive that has uh, beautiful black girls on the front of them. So we're all about not only getting them ready for school in general, but making sure that they see themselves in some of the supplies and the notebooks and pencils and whatnot that they receive. So we're excited about that. And we're going to be promoting at the end of the year. Um, our first major fundraiser It is for the uh, Believe Project. Um, and that is to get gifts for girls of color who are in their teenage years. Everybody loves a toy drive. But what about the 14 and 15 year old who wants an iPad or a phone or a tablet or a computer um, like all her friends have? Um, they want the latest makeup and to be in the latest trends, but they can't afford it. Um, and so we call it the Believe Project because we want to give them an opportunity to believe in Christmas again, like maybe they did as a child. Perhaps you grew up. Um, believing in Santa and so giving them a chance to believe again and so we'll have more information about that we're also going to be partnering with the Black and Missing Foundation we were actually going to do this in January during uh, sex and human trafficking month but of course my surprise surgery kind of put it on hold and so I've spoken with them and they are excited to work with us so sometime in the spring probably in April uh, we will have that uh, forum it'll be virtual with the uh, ladies from the Black and Missing Foundation. I have really formed a friendship uh, with them. They um, are doing great work and it's another wonderful cause to uh, think about uh, supporting. And so you can always go to their website as well um, because they are doing the hard work. And like me, they both still work full time while they do this work on the side. Um, and so I feel that struggle, I understand that too. Um, and so they're starting to get more publicity. There's more, um, spotlight on the fact that when uh, people of color go missing uh, there's not as much press as when it's a non-person of color and uh, so you can always go to their website and think about supporting them as well and so I'm excited to talk with them and to have them give some pointers about what we need to be doing to protect our youth especially um, you know, there's a lot of online stuff now, especially with COVID. Uh, there's more screen time that kids are getting. And we just need to be careful about who's sliding into our baby's DMs. Um, a lot of areas have a problem with sex and human trafficking. I know we do here in the Florida area. And you mess around and look up and your baby is gone. And so they're going to give us some pointers and some things that we need to do and what we need to look out for to keep our babies safe. And I'm excited um, and honored that they would be willing to do a virtual forum uh, within my shoes and Sisters Empowering Women, which is the nonprofit arm of our organization, to bring light and information to that. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, so we are on the move and so excited for you guys to uh, be on this road and this journey with us. Again, thank you so much for all the well wishes, for all of the support. Um, if you're going through this journey and you need somebody to hold your hand, if you're about to go on that journey and you want a little more information, feel free to email me. 
I am always excited and honored to share the information that I know. I know everybody's experience will be different, but at least it'll give you a frame of reference. I can talk to you about what helped me in terms of the pain. Um, you know, what were some of the things that I did um, to kind of minimize the amount of pain medicine. Now, if you need your meds, boo, take your pain meds. <laughs> Uh, but as as time goes on, if you want to find a way to maybe you can deal with it and not feel like you have to take it as often, if there are different emotions that you're feeling, um, sadness, whatever it is, and you want to talk to someone, please feel free to reach out. If I can't help you, I'll certainly work with you to find a resource and somebody who um, you can reach out to and talk to about how you're feeling because it is emotional. Um, it's something that we still don't talk about enough, but we're getting there. And um, I am here for helping anybody who needs the help. Uh, so this is a quick one today. Again, I am happy to be back, uh, ready to start podcasting regularly and getting our blog on. We also will still be blogging as well and uh, talking about this journey I'm taking parenting these grown folks. Y'all, this real parenting adults is something else. Um, I just talked to a friend yesterday. I told her her daughter is graduating from high school and getting into that adulthood. Um, and they think they know until they don't. And then they want your help. Um, and so learning how to be in that supervise that more advisory role and not more of that supervisory role. But now you're an advisor, not the supervisor. Um, it's tough. And so we'll be talking about that as well. Uh, so looking forward to it. Happy two year anniversary to us at the In My Shoes podcast. Love each and every one of you. If you have anything you want to hear us talk about on In My Shoes, you know what to do. Hit me up at KDT at InMyShoesToday.com. Again, that is KDT at InMyShoesToday.com. That is all the time we have for today. And so until the next episode, be blessed.